You're listening to the Greeks Gridiron live with Ethan Haristadulu. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Greeks Gridiron here. I'm just checking my phone right before I get this thing going because there is a ton of news coming out. It is November 1st, 2021. Uh, We have a firestorm of things going on right now. Some big announcements injury-wise. We're recapping this past Sunday's game, so we'll be going through everything that happened from the 1 p.m. slate all the way down to that final Sunday night game that we watched just last night that ended in a very interesting result, in my opinion. This was a pretty crazy weekend. Some massive upsets, some very close and competitive games in interdivisional matchups. This was a very good weekend of football, I think. Whether you were, you know, just a casual fan or diehard for a certain team, if you were watching football at all this weekend or as much as I was, I think you were a happy camper regardless of the results of some games or others. This was a great week of football. I'm excited to get in the conversation with you guys. So as always, like, comment, share, sub, support the channel. Talk about these games with me along in the comment section down below. What did you enjoy? Some big things you picked out from some of these games. If you saw anything, maybe I missed that I don't mention here. These are just kind of quick run-throughs of all the games, but we are going to recap each and every single one, and we will start with the first one on our list here, which is Carolina at Atlanta, a game that ended with a score of 19-3 to in what was kind of an upset in my opinion because I expected the Falcons' offense to be maybe a little bit better in this game, obviously hampered with the fact that Calvin Ridley has opted to step away with football. He's dealing with some personal issues, and I wish him the best um, anytime it comes to... uh, you know, mental health issues and whatever it may be, getting your mind right, you know, take the time you need, step away. It is just a game at the end of the day for you fantasy owners, unfortunately. Sucks to suck, but there are real-life things that matter more than your fantasy team. Uh, The offense struggled to really move the football without him, I think, taking Calvin Ridley out of the offense, whether he's having big games or not, because he has been kind of flip-floppy this year. He's had a, a few good games and some games where people have been wondering where he is at. Um, when you don't have him on the field, all you're really accounting for now is like the emerging Kyle Pitts, and he's still a rookie in this league, still learning his way through while he has been pretty impressive the last few weeks. I think with him taking really the only true focus on the wide receiver core or like just the receiving group in general, not wide receiver. He plays like a wide receiver, but you know, I forget he is something he isn't sometimes he's a tight end, but he plays like one. Uh, I think just having him be the sole focus for the defense in terms of receiving threat that obviously hurt Atlanta. Um, couple that with Matt Ryan only thrown for 146 yards, a touchdown and a pair of interceptions. The offense just could not get the ball moving. Now, when you look at the other side of the things, the Panthers, Offense was not that impressive themselves, but the defense, the one that I've been talking about all year long that has been playing great week in and week out and has just been kind of failed by the offense week in and week out. Um, I, you know, shout out to the defense, man, because they have been playing some seriously good football. You know, they've had some pieces missing here and there that have kind of rotated in and out of injury and whatnot. But overall, dominating game from that defense. Darnold ended up having to exit the game with a concussion. He only had 129 yards. Uh, But the defense, man, three big sacks, a couple of picks as well, just to keep Atlanta's offense in check and struggling the entire game. Ultimately, the defense wins this one for the Carolina Panthers at a score of 19-3. Hopefully, Carolina can figure something out on offense, and maybe Christian McCaffrey coming back soon from his injury will help infuse a little bit of oomph into this offense because the defense has been playing such good football, and they have held some really good teams. It's just a matter of the offense not being able to keep up with the pace that the defense is able to set. Now, 
Going into our second game of discussion, we have another interdivisional matchup. We are looking at the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills that ended at a score of 26-11 to Buffalo. Uh, the game was really close for quite a while. Miami kind of hung in there a bit. Tua, not necessarily the best game. He had a 205-yard passing number, and then uh, he also had a pick as well. While he didn't throw a touchdown pass, he did run for one. But beyond that, very pedestrian day for him, and I think is only going to fuel the fire that is this trade rumor storm of Deshaun Watson going to Miami. And the way things are looking right now, I think all signs are pointing to that happening for tomorrow's deadline. I expect Watson to be moved. The commissioner has come out and said, you know, that there is no plans for them to put him on the exempt list because they don't have all the information for it. Um, it's a real weird situation. I'm just, I'm curious whenever this trade goes through, because I think it's more a matter of when than if it, it, what is the compensation here? Because there is so much risk for Miami, whether, you know, everything gets resolved and nothing happens with Watson and he doesn't end up being suspended or anything, uh, you know, who knows? Because they didn't say like Goodell didn't say that there's no shot of him getting, you know, put on the exempt list, exempt list, exempt list, excuse me. Uh, but there, there is the prospect of if something else comes out or things go poorly, you know, wh- you know, whether he gets a severe punishment, found guilty for issues or whatever, you know, however things transpire and he ends up getting put on the list or just outright, you know, kind of taken out of the league, whatever it may be, the compensation for this will be interesting. It sounds like three first rounders, but maybe a bunch of comp picks are going to be involved in this as well, depending on how everything shakes out. Very curious to see how that goes, but Defense played solid for Miami. Offense obviously continuing to struggle. The defense, you know, they forced a handful of three and outs, but no real pressure being put on at all for the Buffalo Bills. They 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 did hold Buffalo at bay for a little bit. You know, going into halftime, it was three to three. But, you know, ultimately, once that second half started to kick in, it just kind of became all Josh Allen the rest of the game. The dude had 249 yards passing, two passing touchdowns, 55 yards on the ground, and a rushing touchdown. I mean, when Buffalo finally got to turn it on, they turned it on, and they really just kind of, you know, wrapped things up. And, you know, you even saw Josh Allen doing the little wave. The ref came up to him, and you could literally read his lips. It was like, you can't be doing that. And Josh Josh Allen was like, man, I don't even care. He waved the ref off and everything, but things got real hot towards the uh, later, like end of third quarter, getting into the fourth quarter for Buffalo. Beasley had a big game there. He caught 10 of 13 targets for 110 yards as well. So big game for him. On top of that, when you look at what the defense was doing, they forced a pair of turnovers. They had a fumble, they had a pick. Uh, and then they, you know, they suffered the Dolphins off or suffocated, excuse me, the Dolphins offense for pretty much the entirety of the game. They notched a couple of sacks as well. From start to finish, it was while the Bills often started slow, pretty much all Bills all game long. There was maybe like a point towards the end of the game where you thought Miami could get this one. But then as we kind of went through that fourth quarter, Buffalo just kind of ran away with the game. And ultimately, the score line kind of shows that. For the next game up on our list here, we're talking San Francisco at Chicago in a game where Jimmy G bounce back from a lot of there has been a lot of concern about Jimmy G you know he's gotten hurt he's had some poor played games and you know it just seemed like a lot of I mean I was reading articles that were like Jimmy G has to have a good game or they need to look to Trey Lance and I was even saying before this game that you know maybe Trey Lance is the better option moving forward and just kind of letting him play things out he's in a great system however 
322 yards to the air. He had a couple of rushing touchdowns as well. Uh, he played a really good game against the defense that has been pretty good so far this year. They've just had, you know, the issues on the other side of the football. But, I mean, Elijah Mitchell on the ground was a force, 137 yards and a touchdown. He's emerging as an absolute workhorse in the absence of Mostert. And then you match it up with the four sacks by the defense and then an int for Josh Norman. I mean, the defense played well enough that – you know, this is like this is the defense that everyone's kind of expecting from the San Francisco 49ers that we have not been getting in every single game this year. But this is the kind of defense that everyone was expecting San Francisco to get with a healthy, you know, with a healthy group of personnel. Now, when you look at the other side of the football, I do want to give a big shout out to Justin Fields, man. He had a big game. Uh, I find it rather funny that he has his best game so far as a pro while Matt Nagy is not on the field calling plays, uh, you know. On <laughs> call that for what it is. I, I coincidence. I'm gonna go ahead and say I think not. Uh, he had 175 yards passing, passing touchdown. He did throw a pick, but he had another 103 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. This was kind of what we expected from Justin Fields in terms of like where his potential goes. You know, a, a, an air threat and a ground threat. And as a rookie. You know, you're going up against a really good de- or what everyone assumes to be is a really good defense. And they played really well against Chicago, despite, you know, that porous offensive line he's playing behind. This is kind of what everyone's expecting from Justin Fields. And again, I think it's hilarious that this happened with Matt Nagy not being the one calling the plays that game. Obviously, it, it might have been his game plan, but it wasn't him coaching the team because he was out for the game. Defense failed to hold up their end of the bargain, though. Khalil Mack being out is a very big loss for this defense. And I think that was very, that was very apparent. There was no real pressure in the game. You have a soft run defense as well, going up against a Kyle Shanahan led offense where, you know, if he can get things moving on the ground with his quarterback and his running back, it will lose you a game against Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, I think that really showed that Khalil Mack being on that team, he's clearly an anchor for that unit. I don't think anyone really questions that, but the the missing Khalil Mack issue definitely showed up for this defense. And it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, you on the, you finally have a good game offensively, but now the defense can't, can't back it up after the defense having a pretty solid showing the first, you know, half of this season but shout out to the 49ers big win over Chicago now for the next one another interdivisional matchup AFC we're looking at Pittsburgh and Cleveland duking it out over some spots in the AFC North pretty low scoring game Uh, I was a little bit surprised at how low scoring it was. I expected Cleveland to get a little bit more going considering one, they had Nick Chubb back two Baker Mayfield was playing as well. However, you know, I guess 225 yards by Baker and 61 yards from Chubb is just not going to get it done. I think the real apparent thing here is that the Steelers defense is legit. This is a playoff defense and one that is going to take this team very far despite poor offensive play. Um, you know, the, the steel, I, and the one thing I, re, I will say that I think this is how the Steelers should play going forward, balanced, balanced, balanced. When you look at the split here, 35 passing plays to 32 running plays, this is exactly how Pittsburgh needs to be running this with Roethlisberger in the twilight of his career and concerns about him being able to last the whole season, having him throw the football 60 times in a game like he did in the AFC wildcard game against the Browns last year. That is not how they win a game. So when you see what they're doing right now with the personnel they have, they're missing Juju Smith-Schuster now for the rest of the year. You got to play to your strengths. Najee Harris, he's playing really well. He's a rookie running back first round at that you need to lean on him and they're doing that and I honestly feel like this is the big reason why they were successful you have a suffocating defense I mean 
You can't really complain about what this defense did to the Cleveland Browns. They've they've proven that they can put up 40-some-odd points if they need to in a game. You have a defense like the Steelers playing at a playoff level. Now the offense, if they can find a good balance of leaning on Harris and having Roethlisberger, you know, throw the football, you know, 25 to 30-some-odd times a game, low 30s, not high 30s. Try to keep the ball out of his hands as much as you can and lean on that rookie back. That is the recipe for success for this Pittsburgh team going forward. As for the Browns, they had pressure for sacks. Again, the offense was really the big issue here today. Defense played really well, but it just boils down to uh, offensive line is still kind of having some injury issues. I know that for the uh, Cleveland Browns. Um, obviously you don't have your one, two punch in Chubb and hunt only Chubb was back, but Dearness Johnson was there after having a monster game. He did not really get any touches, which was rather surprising for me. I would have thought that he would play that more split role that they do with hunt and Chubb. And that didn't really end up happening there as Chubb got the majority of the carries, but, uh, I, Baker Mayfield with only 225 yards, you have to wonder, is that injury really bothering him? And is it worth having him play when you have a backup like Case Keenum who can be really serviceable? And, you know, obviously I don't think he can lead them to the playoffs, but is it worth risking Baker Mayfield's health? I really hope he's healthy enough to be playing these games. I mean, they were concerned enough to hold him out last week, but then let him play this week and he didn't have a great performance. So a lot of questions being asked about the Cleveland offense right now. I think we're going to see some answers in the coming weeks, but Hopefully all goes well and they're able to kind of get back and play the style of football and offense that everyone expects to see from them. For the next one, talk about a game that I was completely wrong about. Uh, <laughs> I thought that this was a good opportunity for, throw this over here to the side. Uh, I thought this was a good opportunity for Detroit to finally get their first win of the season. There is uh, some drama going on with Hertz and, and Sirianni not being a great coach, in my opinion, at least not a great head coach so far in Philadelphia. I don't know if he fits Philly. That's And I talked about this going into my preview. Um, but boy, was I freaking wrong about this one. The Lions had literally one good drive out of the 10 offensive possessions they had. Three of them ended in punts. One was a missed field goal. Three were turnovers on downs. And then the last, uh, that ninth one was an end of regulation uh, drive there. Uh, their run D also allowed 236 yards of total off or of, of running, running, uh, excuse me, rushing yards and four scoring touchdowns. The Lions got a lot of soul searching to do. Um, this is a team that has been uber competitive against some really good teams, but then gets rolled over by an Eagles team that has not been necessarily great so far this season. Um, I, I don't know if maybe at this point, the Lions are just really starting to regress and, you know, the magic that they've had in some games is starting to go away. I don't know. Uh, they did play a tight one against the Rams just last week. So, uh, you know, do I think the Lions are going to go 0-17? I don't think so. But, I mean, if they're playing like this against some poor competition, that's not good for your confidence. That's not good for team morale. And, you know, we'll just kind of have to see how this goes out. But I'm concerned for Detroit now because, again, I, this is this was a game that I, I picked them to win. I thought that, you know, they could pull out an upset. You're going up against a team that hasn't fared too well so far this year, and you completely got blown out. The run D is a, a disaster over there in Detroit. On the flip side, though, when you look at the Eagles, while it wasn't Hurts' most impressive day as a passer, he only had 103 yards. He did a great job on the ground, 71 yards carrying. Meanwhile, the running game being anchored by Boston Scott and Jordan Howard combining for 117 yards and two touchdowns apiece for those two guys. The ground game was feasting 
all game long, keeping this offense just rolling, you know, and there was a handful of turnovers as well. Defense feasted six sacks, allowed only 228 yards. I mean, when your defense is playing that well, they're turning the ball over, you're getting short field, and your running game is just completely stampeding over the defense. It's a recipe for success. It's a way to really kill the confidence in a team because when you're getting beat in the run game, and I've heard players talk about this, when you're getting beat in the run game, it's different than when the passing game is kind of lighting you up because running is very physical. You're getting beat up a lot more and if you're just getting rolled over through run plays after run plays it's demoralizing and it's defeating for our defense so shout out to philly big big win a good step in the right direction hopefully this can continue for them i don't know if this was more a product of them playing the lions or if maybe they're righting some wrongs here uh, but take advantage of the ground game clearly you have something going on there take advantage of it going forward Next up, we have another divisional matchup. We're looking at Tennessee and Indianapolis. Went into overtime. Very good game. Very competitive. The big news coming out of this one isn't even the Tennessee Titans winning. It is the fact that Derrick Henry is now going to be out for the season. He's having surgery on Tuesday or tomorrow, rather, November 2nd. So it sounds like he's going to be out for the year because of the injury, which is honestly an absolute disaster. Henry was on pace for a 2K season again. First guy to ever do it back-to-back. But... You know, for as much as everyone talked about his durability and him being built different, and you know, I felt I that's how I felt about him too. So I'm not knocking anybody for saying that because I felt the same exact way. I think the carries finally caught up with him. Um, He is the you know he is the engine to this offense. Terrible, terrible loss. I mean, he he was bottled up during this game. The Colts did a good job, but keeping him at bay. And I was going to like kind of talk about that as okay, the Colts run defense did a great job, but now. If he was running with a broken bone in his foot, that was probably hampering him in some way. So credit to the Colts defense for shutting him down, but it's clear why maybe why it was so much more effective than anticipated because Derrick Henry has had his way with the Colts. Um, When you look at what the Colts did, though, I'm still trying to understand one why that screen was called in the end uh in pretty much in their own end zone. They were on like what, like the two or three yard line towards the end of the game there. Um the fact that Carson Wentz threw the pick six, yeah, is that disastrous? But honestly, that pick six was better than him taking a safety because then that outright ends the game. The pick six wasn't even the worst case scenario there, despite it being that because they were ended. They ended up moving all the way down the field. There is definitely some concern for this passing attack in that, and even the commentators mentioned it during the game. They are relying a lot on pass interference plays. I feel like Carson Wentz is underthrowing a lot and his receivers are getting completely creamed for it, which is not good one, but two, there's clearly uh, that's kind of bothering me. And I'm a Colts fan. I don't like that the Colts are being recognized as a team for taking advantage of forced PI penalties. One, I don't like that that's a thing and I wish that there was some way for that to be adjusted. I don't know how it would be adjusted. I'm not going to give my my examples as to how it should be adjusted, but I feel like there has to be something fixed with that because like if a receiver is intentionally kind of getting creamed for the sake of a PI call, like that's, that's so cheesy and not good for the game. In my opinion, um, some highlights though, uh, Pittman looked good, 10 catches, 86 yards and a pair of touchdowns, Jonathan Taylor, 70 yards and a touchdown as well. Um, but overall just not enough to be a Tennessee team that, you know, they can run the football and they can throw the football. And I give so much credit to Tennessee for playing the game that they did Air attack was carried on the back of A.J. Brown. Dude had 10 catches, 155 yards, and a touchdown, looking like the elite top-tier receiver that I believe he is. 
Uh, the O-line couldn't really do much against the Colts D-line, especially late. Two of their three sacks ended up coming very, very close to the end of the game. So a little bit interesting considering how good the Titans offensive line has been throughout this season. Uh, the defense ultimately, though, in a game where there was really no defense from both both sides of the field here, the defense for the Titans really came through. That pick six was crucial for them. I think that that was a very big momentum swing in their favor. And then when you see what seven, uh, seven <laughs> safety Kevin Byer did to wrap up the game in overtime to get that pick, put his offense in a great position, that's opportunistic or opportunity taken at its finest. And I mean, Byard's one of the best safeties in the league. He's going to make a play like that if you're going to pick on him. Really bad throw by Carson Wentz. Shout out to the, the defense, just really doing a great job there and shutting things down when it mattered most. Again, there was not a ton of defense in this game, but when it mattered, the defense for the Titans showed up and showed out with a couple of picks to wrap up the game. For the next one, uh, this was probably the talk about everyone getting this one wrong. I don't know who picked the Jets to win this game. Definitely was not me. I cannot believe that the Jets actually came out with the win on this one. When you look at it on paper, it just makes absolutely no sense. But when I was talking about my previews for these games this week, I did mention that this is a, this was a big trap game for the Bengals. And it kind of felt like maybe they overlooked the Jets a little bit going into this one because because of whoever they're playing in the coming weeks. You know, they're looking a little bit forward, and this is not a game that you expect a Mike White-led Jets team uh, along with Michael Carter to just completely steamroll your defense that just shut down Lamar Jackson and his offense last week. Uh, they conceded a grand total of 503 yards to the Jets. I cannot believe the Bengals' defense did that. Burrow did play well, 259 yards, three touchdowns, only one pick, but the run game was literally gone. The one thing that that Jets defense really, really did well was just eliminate the Bengals' ability to run the football. Excellent job on their part. Mike White was an absolute stud for the Jets. 405 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Mike White becomes only the second quarterback, uh, I believe, since 1950 to throw for 400 yards in his first career start. Cam Newton was the other one. Um, so shout out to him for an excellent game with all odds stacked against him against a contender in the AFC. Then running back Michael Carter, shout out to him as well because this dude had a monster game. 77 yards on the ground with a touchdown, and then he had nine catches for 95 yards as well. It was literally the White and Carter show all game for that offense unbelievable combo and talk about a ko blow to the Bengals, man i this is not something i expected to see happen great for the jets the big question i think that comes out of this one and i'm sure a lot of people are looking at it this was the best the jets offense has looked against a Bengals team that you know contender in the afc maybe was kind of overlooking them a little bit however best the jets offense has looked this year they have a second overall pick in quarterback, uh, Zach Wilson. I almost just forgot his name there, in Zach Wilson. It, that's that's a conversation starter. That's all I'm saying. That's a conversation starter. We won't dive too much into that. I don't want to read too much into it, but let's just keep an eye on how Mike White continues to play. It's too early to say that he is taken over in New York, but that was quite a performance against a really good team. Now, for the Rams and the Texans, a game that the score looks a lot closer than I think the final result actually was, be it that the Rams literally had starters pulled with like eight minutes left in the game, and that kind of led to the Texans making this a game, quote-unquote, even though it really wasn't. 
Matthew Stafford continuing his MVP campaign. The guy looked great. 305 yards, three touchdowns. Cooper Cup continues to be the best wide receiver in the league so far this year. I mean, touchdowns, receptions, yardage. The guy is doing an excellent job. While Devontae Adams, you know, you could probably say is the best, or DeAndre Hopkins, whatever you want to say overall, Cup so far this season has been absolute lights out, and I think he has a strong case for being the best wide receiver in the league at this point. Great compliment for uh, Matthew Stafford. On top of that, Henderson, running back, who's filling in for Cam Akers, who's been out 90 yards, a touchdown for him, and the rushing offense as a whole, 165 yards on the ground. Great game for them. Uh, the defense continued to play really well. Five sacks, eight up the Houston Texans. That's really all you have to say about that. For the Texans, uh, again, like I said, they kind of made the game look closer than it was. Mills had 310 yards, a couple of touchdowns, in, but, uh, but uh, again, it was kind of padding his stats late against backups as players were being pulled for the Rams. Defense got completely rolled over by the Rams from – uh, literally up until I guess that that eight minute mark of the fourth quarter when I realized that Matthew Stafford had been pulled and honestly they might have been pulled before that I just remember looking over and realizing Stafford was sitting on the side with a hat on and he didn't have his helmet anymore and that was when I realized the Rams had pulled him um, a lot of soul searching for the uh, Texans I mean there's a big opportunity to trade Deshaun Watson and, and continue to move past all this that they've been dealing with drama wise We'll have to see what happens between them and the Dolphins. I have a good feeling, though, that Watson is going to be out of there in the next 24 hours. Uh, I have my phone set here to vibrate and let me know if anything big happens. And it doesn't look like anything's going on right now. But I do expect that trade to end up going through. It seems like all signs are pointing to it happening. Um, be a little bit of a shock if it didn't. But I could also understand why it wouldn't happen. But I really have a feeling that the Dolphins want to get Watson in. For the next, this is getting into the uh, later portion of the day. We have our 4 o'clock games. First one, we'll talk about New England at L.A., a game that I picked the Patriots to win more so, not because of the last time they played. I think it's funny how people were referring to the last time Belichick played the Chargers. It's literally an entire, it's a new head coach. You're working entirely different schemes. So you can't really, like, yeah, it's the same quarterback and a lot of same offensive pieces, but you can't look at, like, past history from last season and, and pull it into this season and be like, yeah, this, this is going to be how it goes. I picked Belichick and the Patriots to win this game more so because of Belichick's ability to just take advantage of inexperience. First year head coach, second year quarterback that he has played before, and he gave Herbert a really tough time the last time they played. So overall, I really felt like this game, and then you look at the 32 ranked run defense, which the Patriots took advantage of. I mean, this kind of smelled like a Patriots upset in LA from the jump. Jones had probably his worst game as a pro. Um, completion percentage was not great. Didn't have a ton of yards, but he did play well when it mattered most in the fourth quarter to seal that game, drive the Patriots down the field, kill a bunch of clock and knock in that field goal for the win. Uh, and then the running game, like I, I had talked about this in my prediction or not my predictions, my, yeah, my previews, whatever you want to call it. I expected the running game to step up and have a big one here. 141 yards on the ground. Um, when you are the chargers averaging 159 yards on the ground allowed per game, that is a recipe to lose you some games and a recipe to lose you a game against Bill Belichick. Uh, so Hopefully the Chargers defense can figure something out. The run D continues to be soft. The pass D has been pretty good. I mean, they gave they gave Mac Jones a pretty tough time. But overall, I mean, the defense continues to be the issue for the Chargers. I feel like that's constantly been a thing throughout the years is the Chargers defense can never match up to how well the Chargers offense is playing. Herbert had probably one of the 
lesser games of his career, 51% completion, couple of touchdowns, couple of picks, only 200 and some odd yards. Did struggle, um, but whatever the blueprint is for shutting down Herbert, seems like Bill Belichick knows it and also seems like John Harbaugh knows it. So anyone that's going to be playing the Chargers moving forward, take a look at whatever those two teams are doing because it sounds like they know kind of what to do here in shutting down Herbert, who has been very impressive his first year and a half as a starter. For the next one, uh, wasn't much of a game. I will say this. In my preview, I talked about the Seahawks getting Russell Wilson back. I 100% thought that I either read or saw something saying that Russell Wilson was starting this week. Maybe it was just that he might. I don't know. But I, for some reason, thought that Russell Wilson was going to be starting in this game, which led to me picking the Seahawks to win, and they ended up winning anyway, so it worked out. But talk about you know Geno Smith playing less like a backup and more like the guy that I think the Jets wanted him to be when they drafted him all those years ago. Um, excellent game, 195 yards for Geno Smith through the air. He had two passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown as well. Uh, he was throwing darts to Tyler Lockett and he hit DK Metcalf for a couple of touchdowns as well. Excellent game by the Seattle Seahawks offense. They took advantage of a lesser Jacksonville defense that the Jaguars coming off their bye it just kind of seemed like they were lost. And they're, they're coming off a win, too. Like, they won going into their bye. You know, a lot of momentum, good opportunity to rest, regroup, and get yourself set. You have two weeks to prepare for the Seahawks. And talk about just kind of rolling over and laying an egg. The defense literally could not stop the Seahawks all game long. Then on top of that, I mean, the offense without James Robinson kind of just grinded to a screeching halt. Uh, hopefully Robinson's good and this doesn't roll into more weeks without him because James Robinson's an impressive running back. I still cannot believe that the Jaguars drafted Travis Etienne. Um, he's not even a factor because he's out for the year, but I just feel like Jacksonville could have benefited from a different piece with having James Robinson be a thousand yard rusher just last year. But you know, it is what it is. Jacksonville doing some soul searching, coming off a big win and a bye. You got absolutely slapped by a Seahawks team that has their backup quarterback in. Uh, talk about a week for the backups, man. Talk about a week for the backups. Doing a great job. A lot of them winning games. <laughs> Best of luck to Jacksonville. Best of luck to Jacksonville the rest of the season. I don't know. I don't know if I buy the whole Urban Meyer thing. Jaguars fans, if you're watching this and you hear me talking about this, I would love to know what you guys think about it. Um, you know, now that all the media concentration is off of him and, you know, the, they've kind of moved moved on to other things, I, overall, I just uh, – the roster is not great, so I don't want to put too much weight on Urban Meyer. But, man, talk about coming into a game after a big win and they just did not seem prepared at all. I don't know. Tough, tough, tough. Next game up on the list, uh, very low-scoring, lack-of-offense type of affair in a game that almost like ended up coming down to like was a nail-biter for no reason. Um, the Broncos nearly blew the game with an unnecessary fumble. They literally fumbled twice, back-to-back. <laughs> -back. They got the ball back and then fumbled it again and ultimately led to Washington having a shot at winning the game late. But defense did an excellent job. So shout out to the Denver Broncos continuing to be a good defense with literally no type of offense serviceable game by Bridgewater. They kept, they protected the ball and that I, I think I talked about this game too, in my preview saying that the big thing is that the Broncos need to protect the football offensively with the lack of ability to score. The last thing you can be doing is turning the ball over four times in a game like Bridgewater did um, just, just up against the Browns. So keeping the ball safe, keeping it protected, not putting it on the ground, not giving it to defensive backs from the other team, 
Denver did that. The defense has been continuing to play well. They took advantage of a Washington football team where the offense has been like hit or miss week in and week out. Uh, So much so that Von Miller is no longer a part of the Denver Broncos and he's on his way to the LA Rams. That was announced today. Big trade. So the Broncos moving on for the Rams. And I think the Broncos are getting like a couple of day two picks in 2022. But Overall, the defense continues to be good. It sounds like Nick Chubb is coming back within the next week or two, which I think is maybe part of the reason why the Broncos were okay with just getting rid of Von Miller now, getting some compensation for him rather than just letting him walk in free agency next year. On the other side of the coin, though, when you look at what the uh, Washington football team has going on, Heineke had 275 yard, or 270 yards, excuse me, a touchdown and two picks. Um, looked more like a backup than a starter. You really have to wonder how this offense would look right now if – Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't hurt. I don't know if he's going to make it back to play, but I'm very curious to see if they just opt to go back to Fitzpatrick. Should he be able to, if he becomes available Um, with the defense, really not doing great. The offense is a letdown as well. Considering some of the pieces they brought in. Um, I, (laughs) I'm definitely taking an L on this one and kind of eating my words. I picked Washington as the team to win this division, and that's definitely not happening at this point. I think we all know who's winning the NFC East here, but talk about just an absolute letdown so far for Washington this season. Defense did all right. Um, What do they have? Four sacks, fumble recovery, kind of kept them in the game late. But overall, just, you know, you're playing a Denver Broncos team that has struggled on offense, was kind of hoping that maybe this would be a good game for Washington, but, I mean it's like one thing after another defense isn't playing well offense is playing well if the offense is playing well defense isn't playing well now it's like neither kind of really played well so it is what it is um but very curious to see if anything changes with ryan fitzpatrick's health if he is able to come back and if they opt to just kind of sit heineke after the kind of media storm he was getting early on in the season and opt to go back with the veteran For game number 12, we have Tampa Bay at New Orleans, another divisional matchup and a game. Talk about an absolute thriller. Uh, When I was watching this game, especially towards the end, you could I feel like whenever Tom Brady's not winning, you can see the frustration in him because he's such a competitive person. It seemed like there might have been a little bit of a disconnect going on there towards the end of the game. Brady was frustrated because it seemed like Tampa Bay wanted to just like end the game, kneel and be done. Brady was like, no, 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 we're going to keep going. And even before he threw the game ceiling pick six, you could see him talking with Byron Leftwich. And it seemed like there I don't know. They were talking, but Brady's demeanor was like, I'm listening to you, but I have like my own idea for how we're going to come back and win this game. I I don't know. I kind of caught that vibe. And then like to see what ultimately happened, I almost wasn't surprised. Everyone was like, oh, here we go. Brady's going to get the ball back and win. I was not that surprised to see such a flustered and frustrated Brady end up throwing that pick six that way. Um, Brady, Brady is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Don't get me wrong. But this Saints defense, Sean Payton plays him really well. And this Saints defense, even in the game that they lost to them in the playoffs last year, plays him very well. I don't know if it's the scheme or whatnot that Payton runs, because just like historically, Brady has struggled against the Saints. So with that in mind, I mean, you look at how well this defense was able to was able to contain an offense that's scoring like 30 some odd points a game, keeping them at only 27, coming up with a couple of picks, forcing a fumble off Brady as well. You counted for three turnovers on the day. You have to shout out what the Saints team was able to do. On top of that, the offense was able to completely run over what has been one of the better run defenses in the league. They put up a grand total of a not 159 yards, excuse me, 152 total yards on the ground. 
this is a blueprint that teams need to look at and figure out how to run against the Buccaneers because the Buccaneers have been a really good run defense team and not a lot of teams have really wanted to run against them because of how stiff they are up front. But the Saints figured it out, whether it's just because they have pure talent at the running back position. You have Mark Ingram back. Alvin Kamara is obviously a stud. Uh, and then Jameis Winston was ripping off some runs before he went down. There is a lot to like about what this Saints offense can do. There's a lot to like about what the Saints defense can do. And they showed up and showed out against a really good Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that I don't think, even the fact with the game being in New Orleans, I don't think a lot of people really picked Tampa Bay to win this game. But it was a perfect storm. Shout out to the Saints. Unfortunately for Winston, it sounds like he is out for the year now with a torn ACL and partially torn MCL, which I don't know what their plan's going to be with the quarterback position now going forward, but you have Trevor Simeon who did just enough to get the win. Um, I don't know. I know they drafted Ian Book, but I don't even think he's on. I don't even think he's with the team anymore, even on the practice squad. I think he's somewhere else. Um, I don't know where they where they head with the quarterback. Maybe they roll with Trevor Simeon and just see what they can get out of him. I don't know if Trevor Simeon is going to be the answer. He did have some good games with Denver at one point in his career, but uh, very interesting to see because this is a great New Orleans team that you know they blew out the Packers. They just got a big win over the Buccaneers. They're five and two. Rolling the defense is really really good. They have a lot of good pieces on the offense with the potential of Michael Thomas coming back soon. Big question mark now at the quarterback, and they kind of had an answer for one, and now it's just back to the drawing board to see where things go. Unfortunate for the Saints, big win for them, but they almost come out losers in this one despite the big win. As for the final game, the Sunday night backup quarterback, Cooper Rush, came in and got the job done, was able to upset the Minnesota Vikings. When I did my predictions for this game, I said that if Prescott was playing, I thought the Cowboys would win without him. I expected the Vikings to have the edge because I expected the Vikings offense to be able to take advantage of a defense in Dallas that has not been the best, but is also not the worst. Um, They're kind of like middle of the ground. They're really good at forcing turnovers, but they do let up a lot of yards. Uh, First off, Dallas, I think with this win... It has kind of quelled any questions. They are legit. This is a game that in years past, the Dallas Cowboys would not win. But because of how talented this roster is, Mike McCarthy is doing a great job coaching this team. Granted, he does have some really weird, questionable time management things going on. Overall, he's doing a great job. The defense held the Vikings offense, which has been explosive at times throughout this year. They've been putting up some good yards. Kirk Cousins has had a pretty solid season so far, but because the Vikings are struggling, I don't think he's getting as much recognition as he probably deserves, but he has had a pretty good season to this point, uh, minus last night. Um, 270 total yards of offense by the Vikings held by that Dallas defense. Cooper Rush, on the other hand, I mean, talk about coming into not an impossible situation, but like a situation where nobody expects you to have a game like this and you go up and throw 325 yards, you throw a couple of touchdowns, you do have a couple of turnovers, but despite all of that, you're able to play well enough to win your team a game that they didn't necessarily need, but needed to keep themselves in that top group of NFC teams that has been so good and is like just kind of the NFC is so top heavy right now. I feel like there's like five really good teams and then it's everyone else for the NFC. So like to keep yourself in that racehorse that's going on over there at the top of the NFC, they needed this win and they got it. Now, I also want to shout out the wide receiver group for Dallas. Firstly, Amari Cooper, eight catches, 
122 yards, a touchdown, and do that circus catch he made where, I don't know, it tipped off one of the Vikings defenders up into the air, and he was able to, you know, keep enough focus and, like, find the football and snag it and pull it in. Talk about a game-saving catch right there. Big-time moment. He's a big-money receiver making a big-time play right there. That's exactly why you have Cooper on your team. C.D. Lamb looked really good as well. Six catches, 112 yards, and do not forget Cedric Wilson. Three big catches, 84 yards. Dude scored a touchdown as well. Cedric Wilson has been a real surprise piece for this team. I think he's having some pretty good games here and there. He is like an excellent complement to the you know the receiving group that we have over there in Dallas. Uh, very impressed with the Cowboys altogether, from the offense to the defense. Cooper. Cooper Rush, I almost said Cooper Cup, <laughs> Cooper Rush, a uh, lot of things going on in Dallas to be excited about. And I think that this this game kind of seals the deal that Dallas is legit at this point. You have your backup quarterback come in like this and you can win a game like this with your defense. Uh, you can't really go wrong. Dallas is riding high and I would not blame any fans of dreaming about Super Bowl aspirations at this point because Dallas looks good. As for the Vikings, talk about just like a, a, an absolute haymaker thrown at you and a crushing blow for them. You're at home against a backup quarterback, against a defense that has been fine, not great, not poor, but fine. And on top of that, Trayvon Diggs went down. He, he had an injury. Like So Cousins had 184 yards, a touchdown and a fumble, probably one of his worst games of the season at this point. Defense let the Cowboys move a lot. 419 yards. They only allowed 20 points, but they were letting the Cowboys just kind of move at will. Um but they were opportunistic. I mean, they had a fumble. They had an interception. I don't want to blame this game on the defense, whereas the Vikings defense has been a, a, an issue for this team now, dating back to, like, last year. Um, they played a really good game, did their part, just this offense, man. You have Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Uh, Justin Jefferson had a drop that I remember seeing where, like, there just seemed to be kind of, like, confusion as to what Cousins was doing with the ball when he threw it up in the air. Um miscommunications poor execution and an absolute just shocking loss for minnesota again you're at home backup qb sunday night football everyone's watching and you lose to cooper rush not much else to say feel free of vikings fans it's a tough one to swallow um especially like i said there is a very top heavy group of teams sitting in that nfc uh playoff race right now um and right now i I don't know if Minnesota's on the outside looking in. I know that like it's like you have the Packers, the Cardinals, the Bucks, the Saints. Um, I'm just trying to think. Of t- the Rams is another one. So you have like those five teams, and then a couple of other wild card spots that are open. Uh, I'm trying to think. I feel I, I'm sorry if I'm missing somebody, and feel free to throw it down at me in the comment section below. I think I'm missing one more team off the top of my head that has a really good record right now in the NFC. The Cowboys, hello. They're literally one of the teams. I'm literally talking about them. And the Cowboys, like there's just so much top-heavy talent in the NFC right now. This is a crushing loss for the Vikings. But that is my recap. We're sitting at about 42 and a half minutes. I appreciate you all if you made it through the entire video. Um, We'll do our power rankings tomorrow as we always do every Tuesday. Let me know what you guys thought of the games in the comment section down below, and I'll catch you guys tomorrow for some power rankings. Have a good rest of your Monday and start to the week, everyone. Enjoy some Monday night football. We have the – who's playing tonight? 
the Chiefs and the Giants tonight. So enjoy some Monday night football. We'll see if the Chiefs are able to uh, stop their little losing skid they got going on here, right some wrongs, or if maybe the Giants can capitalize on a down-and-out Chiefs team. Interesting matchup, to say the least. Interesting matchup, to say the least. Have a good one, everyone.